Who are the top collegiate prospects in the upcoming NBA draft with Victor Wembenyama, Scoot Henderson, and the Thompson Twins all choosing other routes? Find out which players and which teams you need to keep your eyes on coming up next on Locked On NBA Big Board. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome all. You're listening to Locked on NBA Big Board. My name's Leif Tulin. Rafael Barlow calls me the grinder because I watch more college basketball than anyone. And with no current college hoops to watch right now, my eyes are back on the college basketball to break down which teams have the guys that you need to know about. And that means diving into some high school film, some some college film, talking about returners. But it, it means that you need to listen about which college players are going to be at the top of these boards. Cause that's not only those four players that we talked about, Victor Wimbenyama, Scoot Henderson, and the Thompson twins that are highlighting this draft. This is a deep 2023 draft and we'll be talking about which college guys headline it. And I wanted to thank all of you guys for making locked on NBA draft your first listen every day. And remember locked on NBA big board is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at locked on NBA big board where the best way to help us grow is to is to help the show is to be on YouTube and comment anything below. And today's question is, and I've appreciated your interaction in the last few episodes, which team or player are you most looking forward to watching in the 2023 NBA uh, NCAA season and why? All right, let me lay out this awesome episode for you today. In the first segment, I'll discuss the question of which players and teams are the teams and players you need to know about and watch to be not just a draft junkie, but they'll become household names in the NBA and you need to get the first step on. And four of the five top prospects, according to most, are not playing collegiate basketball, but that means there are plenty of top guys in this loaded class that are, and I'll be telling you all about them. In the second segment, I'll discuss the pros and cons of what seems to be a recurring theme of late of high-profile recruits electing to not go through the college ranks and how does the NIL, name, image, and likeness, factor into that decision? And lastly, I'll pinpoint a few upperclassmen that could have Ochag Baji-like leaps as a junior or senior. In other words, upperclassmen breakout stars. And let's dive right into it on Locked on NBA Big Board. With four of the top five regarded prospects by most boards, uh, meaning Victor Wembenyama, Scoot Henderson, and the Thompson Twins not playing collegiate basketball, which is considered to be the traditional route, I want to tell you about the guys that you haven't heard as much about that you'll be seeing the most of, though, and our lottery picks. And so here are the teams that have those players that you need to keep your eyes out for, and it makes it easier to to see them because you don't need to look specifically for one player because a lot of these guys are on the same teams, and they'll be loaded at the top in what should be a really interesting college basketball season. Usually the same teams that often have one and dones, the Dukes, the Kentuckys of the world, uh, are the, the easy answers for this. And yes, a couple of them, uh, those blue bloods are, are going to be on this list of must. They have must see talents and you must watch them to know about lottery talent. But there are some that I like to call the new bloods that have must see talent on the rosters, but let's start with the blue blood. Maybe the, the, the bluest of the bloods because they, they seem to have the top pick, Every other year, and, and no, this year was no different, with Paolo Bancaro, a Duke Blue Devil, going number one. And they've got a couple stars that are incoming freshmen and should have a talented upperclassman uh, or two on their roster, making them a viable contender for the championship. Let's start with Dariq Whitehead. Dariq Whitehead 
as an impressive trophy cabinet he earned at Montverde and through the grassroots system. Derek Whitehead, if you trace him back far enough, played alongside Cade Cunningham, Daron Sharp, uh, Scotty Barnes, Caleb Houston, guys that are in the NBA and some of which are really starring in the NBA. Derek is able to control the game and dominate ways beyond his years. His composure and elegance on the court is something that really impresses me every time I watch him. He's about six foot four and a half, has a six nine wingspan. He's about two hundred pounds, and he's he's got the body that seems likely to be able to grow in, in both in um, in the weight room and and still maintain some of the speed and athleticism. Derek is a really big time athlete, such as that speed and athleticism I talked about. He's pretty smooth in the open court, can play above the rim, but he's also very developed in the half court. He's he's got ideal size on the wing, uh, can guard one through three defensively. He's got a smooth jump shot, and he's developed into more than just a run-and-jump athlete, showing really good ability to create his own shot in the half court and has become a really good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. And we'll see if he shoots off the dribble threes, often in college, especially on teams like Duke, that that, that role is, is less frequent. But Coach K in the previous years, obviously John Shire is now there, and we'll see what the – the leash is like for some of these upper uh, highly recruited freshmen, but Paolo Bancaro had a, had a ability to shoot some shots that many would cause call questionable and be like, man, his efficiency, his shot selection is questionable. Jason Tatum had the same thing. Neither of, neither of those two were stopped by it and really probably developed better because of it. We'll see if John Shire adapts that um, with Derek Whitehead, who, probably will be the top scorer for the Duke blue devils. Another guy who likely will go in the lottery and probably I'll say possibly, I won't say probably because there's a lot of talent in this draft, but in most years would almost assuredly go in the top 10 is Derek lively. He has excellent coordination for his size. He's a springy seven footer who flies above the rim. And if you think of a player, think of Mark Williams as his archetype who just was selected 15th overall. Mark Williams was a sophomore when doing so Derek Lively will be younger and probably have a, larger repertoire offensively than what Mark Williams demonstrated at Duke, especially coming into Duke. Derek Lively has a better offensive repertoire, but where his money is made is defense. He's altering and blocking a ton of shots. He has the quick feet and agility to garden space that is so coveted in today's NBA. And he may become a better defender as he fills out his frame, much like Mark Williams did. And Derek Lively has, you know, he's got the touch that, that you, that you hope can develop into some offensive game beyond uh, just kind of the pick and roll roll man dunker spot. Uh, now for a couple new bloods with impressive prospects. And this is a team that I wouldn't quite call a new blood if I were to characterize them, but they are certainly on the rise and, and have the potential to do so. Um, this is Eric Musselman's Arkansas Razorbacks. Arkansas is the only team with the claim that they have made back-to-back elite eights, and they have the talent to be even better than their back-to-back elite eight squads. Heading and heading that impressive trio of freshmen that will be spurring on the Razorbacks is Nick Smith, who, as Dickie V says, is a diaper dandy. Um, Dickie V will love the Arkansas Razorbacks with three guys that I deem lottery worthy appearing as freshmen. So if you see a Dickie V call and uh, an Arkansas game, you may hear him say, he's an elevator man, he's a diaper dandy, as he often did for for Duke and Carolina. But this year, I think the most fun group of freshmen to watch resides in Fayetteville. Nick Smith is a big dynamic point guard who's on Tankathon, which I've used just to stay consistent in, in, in previous episodes. Uh, he's ranked third ahead of the Thompson Twins, who are fourth and fifth, respectively. 
Uh, Nick Smith is a dynamic combo guard who projects as a top five pick. Uh, he's got crazy bounce, really good above the rim ability for a guard. He's got a long, I think six, nine, maybe six, 10 wingspan that helps him play bigger than his size. He is thin. He's about six, five, one eighty-five, and he's lights out the ball in his hands. He might be the most talented scorer in the class. He doesn't have the burst like John Morant or Jaden Ivy, but he's got this change of speeds and, and, and command of pace that really makes him an impressive player. He has a, a frame that could add more weight and should be able to do so, and he has easy range and a good jump shot that I, I project he'll be able to score in multiple levels. Arkansas has another combo guard, Anthony Black, who's ranked inside the top 10 by most most boards. Uh, Anthony Black is is a combo guard who has the size to play a 40, 6'7", and he's got a very, very – uh, advanced skill level for a freshman and uh, a freshman that will become a freshman. Um, he has a great jump shot. He's, he's a good passer. He always is willing to pass ahead. He can play the point guard or the two guard, maybe even the three. He's deadly catching and shooting, but he also can create space on his own. And even though he's not a athlete of the same ilk of, of Nick Smith, who just glides through the sky and slams dunks or, or the Thompsons who are just phenomenal athletes. He's a good athlete and he makes it look, look easy in doing so. He's not the craziest defender, but he's solid in that aspect of the game as well. And I think he'll be able to score. He should score very well in college and in the pros. Someone to keep an eye on. And lastly, the Razorbacks have a player that reminds me of a mix of Dalen Terry and Scotty Barnes. And if you followed me for long enough on Twitter, uh, you know, I loved both of those players, so I'm certainly uh, very, very intrigued by this third prospect who's the least heralded of the three freshmen for the Razorback. That's Jordan Walsh. He may not score by like his two teammates I mentioned above, but he may have just as large an impact on winning with tenacious defense, great passing, and fast break ability at six foot seven. And I'd say he's a better jump shot than Dalen Terry and Scotty Barnes did in college. Uh, Scotty Barnes obviously has these dynamic traits that I'm not sure I can put on Walsh, but he, he will be a glue guy at the very least, in the, and I think in the college level for sure, and probably the NBA, but also has the potential to be just a bit more than that. And two more new bloods, and these ones I think are definitively new bloods, who've made recent Final Four runs and, and won some championships, are Villanova and Baylor. Cam Whitmore will try to be one of the first one-and-done Villanova guys that there's been. And this may be a good year to do so, because Jay Wright, for all of his fantastic coaching, walked away, and Kyle Neptune... Uh, it will, will step in and I think he's going to let the, let, let Cam Whitmore run the offense, be, be the man. If he earns that ability, obviously Caleb Daniels, uh, Brandon Slater, they've got Jordan Longino. So a lot of people are really excited about him. Eric Dixon's going to be there. They're, they're going to be good even without him, but with him and Mark Armstrong coming in two talented freshmen that were fabulous in the FIBA U19 performance for the USA. Uh, I, I think that he'll have a chance to really score the ball well. Whitmore, for those of you who are unfamiliar, is a phenomenal athlete. He's six foot seven. He's an above the rim player for sure. One of those powerful players at the rim, and he's got NBA ready athleticism and frame at 18 years old. And he'll be able to handle the ball. He'll he'll develop in ways that Villanova always lets their guys do: shooting, toughness, intelligence on the basketball court, good perimeter defense. And his slashing ability and athleticism is something that often Villanova players have not been known for. They're used, known for the jump stop. And I think that type of game that you teach him the, these fundamental traits, that, that the, the two-foot jump stop, the, the pass ahead, all this stuff that Villanova is very well known for, plus the phenomenal athlete, I think he's going to become 
very well-rounded as a player, and those traits are so rare. He'll be a lottery pick for sure. Lastly, Keontae George is a spectacular scorer. He'll be in the loaded Baylor backcourt, and he scored 32 points and 37 points, respectively, 32 against Italy and 37 against Canada, who had Leonard Miller, Emmanuel Miller. Um, they, had, they, had, they had a very talented team in the Canadian U23 team, and, and Keontae George was easily the best player on the court as an 18-year-old playing without a backcourt trio of Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer, and Langston Love. And if you factor in that quartet, including Keontae George, that's the best backcourt in college basketball for my money. Uh, those are some guys to keep your eyes peeled for. And I think all four of those guys that I, um, the two from Baylor and Villanova and, and uh, I'd bet four of the five I talked about from Duke and Arkansas are all lottery picks. So that's seven of eight players that I think will be lottery picks. And I think, I think Jordan Walsh may be on the fringe, but he he'll be an impactful player that I think could sneak up some boards. Well, that, there you have it on guys that can make a huge impact in college basketball and will be seen in the NBA shortly, in my opinion. But in the second segment, I'll discuss the pros and cons of the recent trend of the top players, such as Victor Wembenyama, Scoot Henderson, the Thompson Twins, choosing not to play in college and how the NIL will impact the next batch of players. But first, let me tell you about Bet Bet BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check all your favorite sports scores, sports uh, favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today. Or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. I've used Bet Online and certainly had some some fun days, some lo- lower ones. But something to be watching for is where these guys will get picked. Obviously, that's a ways away. But you can talk about those guys I just mentioned, and I think they'll make some solid impacts on the results of college basketball games. So watch out for some of those those four teams. I'll repeat them: Duke, Arkansas, Baylor, and Villanova as being contenders. And these guys. Uh, will will impact those lines for sure. And welcome back into Locked On NBA Big Board. Again, my name is Leif Tuline, filling in for Rafael Barlow. Richard Stamen and, and Sam Ferris will be back on with me shortly. Rafael has uh, had a kid who who I'm thrilled is, is doing well, and I'm hoping Rafael is enjoying fatherhood. And uh, I'll keep my eyes peeled for, uh, for Rafael's son down in the, I want to say, about 2040 NBA draft. Um, long story short, the, the question here is, Rafael travels internationally a lot. Does that mean that a prospect in down the road that follows the precedent of recent prospects, uh, such as Jaden Hardy who or Brandon Jennings, who is the pioneer of, of traveling internationally, playing professional um, rather than going to college? Jaden Hardy chose to play in the G League rather than play in college. Jalen Green followed that archetype. RJ Hampton. Emmanuel Moutier were some of the others. And now Scoot Henderson, the Thompsons playing for overtime elite. Some of these top tiers, obviously Victor Wembenyama is an international product, so he's been playing professional for a long time in, in France. Um, but, you know, four of the top five by most boards are playing internationally. And I'm trying to ex- explain the pros and the cons. The pros are early exposure to the program, and it makes you play better players and develop quicker. Um, and, and then there's also money. But that's where the NIL factors in. And we'll get there in a second. The, the, you can say that some players have really um, 
grown because they have this exposure to parade all Americans that played in the NBA and are now in the G League. They have exposure to grown men and and they know they have to prioritize their body, get stronger. They once they get to the NBA, it's not as much of a leap as from college and, and they don't struggle as much. Uh, Jalen Green, though, was the number two pick after going to the G League and, and he made money and he was and it didn't hurt his draft stock whatsoever. Um, but but you could say that early in his NBA career, he had trouble adjusting. Then he made a huge leap later in the season and he looks primed to be a star. Um our Jaden Hardy probably lost up, up to around $20 million on his initial contract from not playing um, college basketball. He could have gone to Kentucky, probably scored 20 plus points a game efficiently on a team that very easily could have won a national championship. Kentucky lost to St. Peter's, but they were a number two seed and they had the player of the year in Oscar Shibway. Now you factor in uh, Jaden Hardy playing for severe Wheeler. And that's, a, that's a very, very different team. Um, Another thing, another factor to play into this is Shaden Sharp. Shaden Sharp didn't play college basketball, stayed hidden, and his stock was preserved, and he went seventh in the draft. He's obviously a unique talent, but you could say that there, there's pros and cons, and play, not playing college basketball protected his stock, but also not playing professional basketball protected his stock, and he was unknown. Jaden Hardy was very well-known commodity coming out of high school, and he was phenomenal in high school, winning Las Vegas, uh, Nevada Player of the Year. And, and he went to the summer league and scored 28 points in the first game. And, and you saw, wow, well, he may have had, uh, may have slipped in the draft because of um, inefficiency in the, in the G league. And that's something that people may want to avoid in the future because they get assured money, $20 million, a big difference in a rookie contract. And sure he could make it up later, but, but the, the reason he didn't get that money is because his flaws were uh, magnified in the most closely scouted league in the G league. And because of the physicality and the quality of athletes in the professional ranks, as opposed to playing in college. So my, my thoughts on that is the pros are, it, it gives you exposure. It makes you a better player sooner. It, it your translation should in, in theory become smoother, but it also lowers your draft stock more frequently than I'd say going to college does for primetime recruits. Um, the cons, as, as I mentioned, it, it, can lower your stock. The physicality can impact efficiency. Jaden Hardy certainly had less physical traits being advantageous for him. And when he played uh, professional players, and so he didn't create as much separation and it led to lower shooting percentages, makes your numbers look worse in general. You don't dominate as an athlete. You don't stick out as much as an athlete, unless you really are that much of a one percenter of the one percenters. Um, Your NBA level flaws become more apparent. And I think that's a big one. And then, I also think the NIL is going to make it less likely people go straight to the G League. Overtime Elite, it's to be determined whether that's going to be an impactful and good step for the Thompsons. I think they're they're very unique in that they're so athletic. They, they've they've got advanced games. They just need to work on their shooting as a, as a whole that they may be anomalies. But Dom Barlow looked really good in the combine, yet he went undrafted because of Overtime Elite. John Montero was... Uh, was on that and he didn't get drafted. I, I think there's players and he was injured obviously, but, um, but I think that, I think the lack of exposure there and the novelty of that league showing that the results aren't necessarily as obvious and evident to being conducive to the league may put questions into people's minds. As for the NIL, does that attract more players to play in college basketball? I'm not sure for the young stars who in the making, um, but the Hardy and Sharp model offer answers, uh, different answers. Jaden Hardy, had he gone to college with the NIL, would have made money. I'm not sure if it would have been as much as he would have made 
in the G League, but it could have been more because with the Kentucky team, the boosters there are going to give you a lot of money. He's going to be a star. Kentucky was very good despite losing in the first round. They, they were very good. That's a lot of money. And then he likely would have preserved his draft stock. So if you do a cost-benefit analysis, that likely is a plus of the NIL. I think what the NIL really does is brings back guys who aren't surefire first-round picks, and they're like, oh, I can make money now, and I'm going to improve my stock. Oscar Shibway comes to mind. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana comes to mind here. And I'm, I'll be curious to see how these five-star prospects that have their eyes tra- trained on the NBA and have had their eyes set there for a while – if that impacts where they go to college, where they play professionally, and how immediately they go to the professional ranks. Well, those are my thoughts on on some of these young players and and the impacts on college basketball that the G League has as as a route and what the NIL can do to keep attracting college players. So speaking of those college players attracted by the NIL, I'm going to tell you about some upperclassmen that, that could take some leaps, much like what Ochai Baji did at Kansas in his senior year and become a potential lottery-level talent. But first, a word from our local sponsors. Welcome back into Locked On NBA Big Board. I'm Leaf Tulane. Uh, Rafael Barlow calls me the grinder and... And it's because I watch a lot of college basketball. So I, I have an eye uniquely trained to answer this question. Which guys could have big leaps? The, the example that I gave in, in the intro, the tease to this segment was Ochag Baji. He, he took a huge junior to senior leap and even his sophomore to junior leap was pretty big. And after his junior year, I had him as a very early second round grade. And after his Senior year, he was picked 16th by the Cleveland Cavaliers and also won a national championship at Kansas. So what I'm looking for here are players that didn't have enormous roles but showed traits that looked conducive to what the NBA is, is asking them to, to show. And guys primed to take bigger roles on good teams are usually the prime candidates. So I'll tell you two of them that I really feel like are primed to make themselves NBA draft picks and first-rounders at that that are upperclassmen. And I'll start with Chris Murray. I've mentioned him a couple times on this, this podcast in different in different scenarios. Most of the time, it's been talking about returners, I think, are primed to take a huge leap. Well, Chris Murray will be a junior, and he's an older junior, obviously the twin of Keegan Murray, who just won Summer League MVP. Chris Murray averaged about 10 points, four rebounds on 39% shooting from three. And those aren't terribly impressive. Yes, he'll have a far larger role with his twin brother leaving, and he's set to probably take over the reins, Patrick McCaffrey, Son of Fran McCaffrey should have a role in Peyton Sanford, a good shooter for Iowa. Um, they'll be a solid team, not nothing spectacular, but a solid team. Uh, Chris Murray, though he didn't have a huge number, 10 points is pretty pedestrian for a guy that should be a first round pick the next year. But he averaged 19 points per 36 minutes, and that means a lot to me. That means he was really efficient in his opportunities. And later in the season, he was integral in. Iowa becoming a far better basketball team and that they won the big 10 tournament fell in the first round of the tournament, but they became a very good team. And many people picked them to the final four. Uh, Chris Murray, what he does well is a lot of what Keegan Murray does. Well, he just developed a bit later. He's left-handed shoots the ball. Well, he's a little bigger to my eye. He's got a little bit of broader shoulders and he's, he's carves out space rebounds, does all the intangible things, defends, keeps the ball alive, rebounds, blocks shots, gets in transition and steals. And I think what he needs to work on is just figuring out how to isolation score. And that's what Keegan Murray figured out in his sophomore year is how to score in isolation rather than being 
the beneficiary of a guy like Luca Garza who attracted so much attention. And that's what Chris Murray was with his brother Keegan being the guy who attracted all the scouting reports attention. I think Chris Murray will have to keep figuring out how to score on catch and shoots and he can do that already. Will he need to learn how to come off curls? Will he need to develop his post game? Yes, but I think he's primed to do so. And going through the scouting process, the draft pre-draft process with his twin brother, Keegan, I think is going to be enormously helpful for Chris Murray. And I also think one thing to keep an eye on is how well Keegan Murray does in his rookie year with the Kings off to a flying start through eight summer league games, averaging about 24 points per game. Um, that's going to help Chris Murray if Keegan Murray has a good rookie season because I think whether fairly or unfairly, he will be looked at as a comparison to his twin brother. And my second one is a guy that you've probably seen a lot of on your TV, but not recognized him as a prospect. That's Julian Strother at Gonzaga. The reason you've seen a lot of him is you probably watched Jalen Suggs a year ago and Chet Holmgren this past year. Um, but Julian Strother has quietly been extremely productive on both of those teams. He's a six, seven wing who scored about 12 points per game, uh, collected five rebounds, shot 37% from a three. Julian Strother is set for set to take a big leap because guys with the, the talent and production like Chet Holmgren and Jalen Suggs have departed. He's gotten better each year. He had a huge game against Duke um, early in the year that was played in Las Vegas this year. And he showed that shooting ability defensively. He's got some stuff to work on, but he's got the length and movement ability that NBA uh, wings are that they basically need at this point. It's almost, almost impossible to be an NBA level wing without length and perimeter defense ability uh julian strother has a slightly low release i'd like to see get a little higher but he feels almost like following the trajectory of ochag baji who was thrust into action as a freshman on a really good team and then he developed in his sophomore year for Ogbaji was his but was where he was thrust into action on a really good team he was thrust into action as a freshman um on a solid but unspectacular kansas team uh Strother's been on two spectacular teams, the number one overall seed entering both NCAA tournaments and a crucial part of both of them. Julian Strother kind of was the shadow for Corey Kispert, and he's developed into his own name. And I think this year his scoring will increase, and that'll be crucial to Gonzaga's success because last year they only had one option towards the end of the games, whether you like it or not, draft people. They gave, they gave the ball to Drew Timmy, and Drew Timmy, if he couldn't score, um, and dominate the game at, at that moment in late in crunch time in games where the other teams had comparable athletes and basketball players. Gonzaga seemed to have trouble. Julian Strother is going to need to be able to be a score for this Gonzaga team. I expect him to score about 17 points per game and be the Robin to Drew Timmy's Batman coming up this year for Gonzaga. And I, I've mentioned him a couple times. I don't think he's going to have a, a leap on the draft boards like um, a couple other upperclassmen but someone that I think needs to, to get more credit for who they are as a basketball player, despite some injuries is Mark Sasser, who went to the G league invite camp this year, not ignite, but he went to the invite camp for the G league ahead of the combine was so good after a foot injury, only playing seven games for Houston. Houston uh, was made the elite eight. And actually I should say Arkansas and Houston were both elite back-to-back elite elite eight teams, not just Arkansas, but they were uh, the only one of the ones I said earlier. Anyway, what I will say is that Houston was lacking their best player. And you say, well, how important can he be if if they were lacking their best player and they made the Elite Eight? Well, Mark Sasser is going to come back and come back with a vengeance. I think he's going to be the, the player of the year in the Atlantic Conference. And I think he's going to score 
a lot of points, enough to be recognized by NBA scouts because, you know, if you can score the ball and play in a, on Kelvin Sampson's defense, you can probably play defense at the next level. And so those are three guys to look out for uh, for taking upperclassmen leaps and become legitimate first-round draft pick prospects uh, that as upperclassmen in the 2023 NBA draft. Thanks, everyone, for making Locked On NBA Big Board your first listen every day. And for your second listen, get up to date with the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day with Locked On NBA. Locked On NBA, your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. Well, that'll do it for me. I'm Leif Tulee, and I'll see you again for another episode episode soon. Let me know what you think, and and I want to hear you, see your comments on which player and team you're most excited for in the 2023 NBA draft that is playing in the NCAA. I'll be checking. I'll try to respond with a couple of you guys. And until next time, thank you for listening.